Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. How's everybody doing today? Everybody good today? All right, so glad you're here today. If you're new here, thank you for coming to Freedom Church. We thank you for your presence. It's a great day to be able to be alive, and a great day to know that God is on the throne. So, uh, but let me say this. A lot of people, I had people ask me if I was wearing orange. No, I'm not wearing orange because I'm in mourning, literally, okay? And you say, what do you mean? Tell you what bothers me more than anything. If you can get more excited about a ball game than you can Jesus, you've got a problem, church. So how about we give honor where honor is due to the King of Kings and Lord of, Lord of Lords who touched down on humanity and gave his life to Jesus Christ. He gave his life for humanity. How about we stand up and cheer the roof off this place for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Yes. He deserves it. He's a mighty God. He's a loving God. He's there for us when everybody's walking out. Jesus is walking in. He's there for us in the good times, in the bad times, in the hard times of life. Let's one more time. Let's rip the roof off this place, church. Come on now. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise his holy name. Praise his holy name. You can be seated. I'm excited about what God is doing in our midst. You know, a lot of times in this day and time, churches get excited over how many seats is full and how high the offering is. You know what I get excited over? I get excited over you growing in Jesus. I get excited over you coming be like Jesus. That's what I get excited about. And that's why we've been doing this series of messages over these past weeks called Identity Crisis. Let me ask this question. How many of you agree with me there's an identity crisis going on in our nation today, in our world? People don't know who they are. It's like the old country preacher said, be who you is. If you ain't who you is, you is who you ain't. So we need to be like Jesus and find our identity in him that ordered ourselves before we were ever born. So I talked about the first week, who I am. Find out who you are in Christ. If I could ever tell you anything, your decision determines destiny. Find out who you are in Christ. The next week I talked about the benefits of being in Christ. Well, so many benefits of being in Christ. Last week I talked about our Christian identity that's in the church. Well, today we're going to take it a step further. We're going to talk about our Christian identity that's in the world. Because today you're going to walk out into a world that needs Jesus. The measure of any church is twofold. We as God's people, as God's member, we, we grow in Christ internally. But then the difference we make is what we do in society externally when we go out there. It's one thing to feel good when we leave church, to have Holy Ghost bumps and to feel that the God that we love was in our presence and we got to experience Him. But it's another thing for us to live Monday through Saturday in such a way that we influence our community for the God we say we know and we love. Can I get a witness, church? Come on now. We need to love Him and let people know that we love Him. Let's be like Daddy. That's what we want to do. How many of you, like me, when you were little, you wanted to be like your daddy? Or that earthly person that you put up on a peasant wanted to be like that? I wanted to be everything like my daddy, and I remember distinctively. Sometimes when you want to be like daddy, it might not end well. 
<laughs> I remember my daddy, had, he had a 1968 Pontiac Bonneville. And I watched my daddy drive that car like nobody's business. And man, I would watch him and he'd pull down the thing. And I was like five, six years old, little bitty boy. And I thought one day I'd like to drive that car like my daddy. So I decided to drive that car like my daddy. But I didn't drive it like my daddy. That was the problem. I went outside and went out there and I crawled in the car. And we had this, our driveway here, if you go all the way down our driveway, it goes way down there to my dad's building where he worked. And he'd done a lot of work and made money and worked hard. I thought, I'm going to drive the car. So I go out there and I crank it up. I put it in gear. I couldn't hardly see over the steering wheel. And I start driving down the driveway, and I drive it like daddy. Next thing you know, my daddy's out there jumping up and down, and him and one of his friends telling me, stop the car, stop the car, stop the car. And you know what I had to do? I had to crawl down the floorboard, and right before I hit the building, I hit the brake. Sometimes it don't end well being like daddy. You know, I don't remember if I got a whipping over the deal, but I sure wanted to be like my daddy driving that car. Sometimes when it comes to our Christian faith, you've got to be careful how you want to be like our Heavenly Father, our Daddy. Because if you're being like the world, it's not going to end well for you or the people who watch you. So look what it says here, beginning today, as we peer into Ephesians chapter 5. We're doing the whole chapter. Look at the person next to you said, look at the person next to you say, we're doing the whole chapter. Okay, I hope you brought some lunch. I'm just kidding. I'll get through it. It says, imitate God. Say, imitate God. Imitate God in some of the things you do. No, it doesn't say that. What's it say? What's those three words? Everything you do, you're to imitate God because you are his dear children. Imagine just, just being just like daddy, God the father, because we have taken on the characteristics of his son, Jesus Christ. Imitate meaning to adopt someone else's behavior. Follow their example. And no doubt there are some great Christ followers in the house today, but we have to be proactive of how we act and what we do when we walk out into a world that needs Jesus. So three major things I'm going to look at today. The first thing is, is living in the light. Say that with me, living in the light. Since God is light and we're to imitate God, we need to go light up the world. Look at the person next to you say, tell them to light up the world. Tell them right now. Go light up the world. For his glory and his honor. How do we do that? We live the love. We live the love. Look what he goes on to say. Paul's telling the church at Ephesus. It's applicable to us. He says, live a life filled with what? What's that word? Some of you don't know love. Okay, let me do it again. Here. Live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. You can't be a kamikaze Christian in our world. A person who acts recklessly in how that you live. And I do know sometimes when we're, we're trying to do everything in love and live the love, there's some people that's hard to love. How many of you know somebody's hard to love? Raise your hand. How many of you live with them? Don't raise your hand. You know, there's some people hard to love. Well, we got to love them. Christ loved us, and I'll guarantee you we was hard to love when he looked at our sinful lives. Are you with me? So true, isn't it? Nothing worse than a, a stinking Christian in the world. 
Nothing worse than a stinking Christian for that as Christ says for us to be a pleasing aroma to God, what God wants us to be is to be that person that lights up the world. But you know what? A lot of times, what do Christians stink the world up for? I mean, that's just, I don't understand that. Sometimes we just, Christians stink up the world sometimes. You say, what do you mean? It's stinking thinking. It's what goes on between your ears. He goes on to say, uh, and here I want to read this from the message, verse 1 and 2. Listen to this. He says this in verse 1 and 2 in the message. It says, watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Say that with me. Love like that. So you not only live the love, you've got to break the sinful habits if you're going to live in the light. That's what you've got to do. Sinful habits, those temptations, those wrong beliefs, the bad attitudes, everybody can become a victim of Satan's traps if you allow him to. However, God tells us as God's people to live above reproach. Look at verse 3. It says, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Say, no place. Sad to say, these sins have invaded the homes of Christians and brought grief to churches. He goes on to say, I've seen stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. This should be the conversation. When you're out in the world and you're around somebody, if you look around and you have to be careful about something you're about to say, it doesn't need to be repeated, let alone it doesn't even need to be listened to in the first place. You know how you can really clean up the world? Let you in on a little secret. By cleaning up this hole underneath your nose. By us cleaning up our mouths. So important we understand that improper language has no place in a Christian conversation because it doesn't reflect God's grace and his presence in us. He goes on to say in verse 5, you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of God and of Christ. Do you understand what that's saying there? That if these things I just mentioned is your lifestyle, you're going to have gate trouble. Up there. I'm not saying that if you sin and you get forgiveness and you move from, I'm saying if this is your lifestyle, it doesn't look like according to this, you're not going to make it. It says, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. And you know what? This isn't an all-inclusive list. When it comes to gossip or judging or cursing or a person that's lecturing from a know-it-all attitude, a person that says they're a Christian but they have no humility, puts a bad taste. In the mouths of those that you're around each day in the world. And for the God we serve that loves those people you're around. So how do we really overcome and break those sinful habits? First, you got to remember that sin begins in the mind. It's that 
stinking thinking that I'm talking about here. And also, it's about deceit, defeating that sinful habit. What it does, it requires a change in your lifestyle. You've got to repent. Repent, the word repent from the original writing, Greek word metanoia, means I'm going to change my mind about my situation, and I'm not going to go that direction any longer. I'm going to go this direction. I'm going to ask God for strength, his power, his presence to be with me, to help me not to do those things again, to overcome the temptations. It's not a sin to be tempted, but it's a sin when you follow the temptation. Everybody is tempted. I don't care who you are about something. But also, to overcome those things, you've got to avoid the company of those who have the same problem that you do, and you've got to avoid them. You've got to avoid the places. You've got to avoid the circumstances to which tempt you. And listen, and don't try to battle a sinful habit alone. You need accountability. A lot of people, you might be thinking, you know, Pastor, I cannot tell somebody about this problem I've got. If I tell them about it, they're going to look down on me. No, they're not going to look down on you because they deal with stuff just like we all do. Might not be the same thing you deal with, but everybody deals with situations. And you know what? If they're a true friend, then they want to lift you up to the Lord. They want to hold you accountable because it's not what we say or do. It's how we live. Something else, if you're going to be living in the light, you've just got to learn how to say no. Look at the person next to you and say no. Look at the other person and say No. Look at verse 6, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. Now, understand when Paul says this, he's not saying that or advocating that we ditch unbelieving people we come into contact with in the world you and i are to befriend them we are to love them we're to show them love but those who make excuses for sinful behavior and tell you it's okay let me tell you what i end up happening they will pollute your mind and draw you away from christ listen a christian isn't sinless but a christian sins less and less and less be really careful of those who are opposed to all that christianity stands for be careful about those people because they are most likely to influence you more for evil than they will ever influence you for something that's good look at verse 8 for once you were full of darkness but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. Say that last sentence with me. So live as people of light. Do me a favor. Stand up for a minute. Stand up for a minute. Get a little exercise here. Now, those of you that have a phone, get your phone out. Get your phone out just for a minute. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, those of you that have an iPhone, just reach up in that right corner and just slide it down and turn that little light on right there for a second. Turn that. Those of you who have other phones, I don't know where to tell you to go to for your light. You just know you want to go for it either. Everybody get your light on here just for a minute. How many, how many they got your screen time thing? How many was it up or down last week? Mine was up. God forgive me. But just think, we turn this on and we get our light right here. And it's kind of like this. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Whoa! 
that's what we do for the light of Christ and dispel the darkness of an evil world. You can be seated. You can be seated. Listen, don't you let your mind go back to the concerts I went to. We didn't have these lights like this. We brought in lighters. We even brought in Lysol cans and we'd spray it and light it. People's hair went off their heads and things. It wasn't a good thing. Man, we're to let our light shine for the Lord. Let our light shine for the Lord. That's what God wants us to do. All right. Somehow I ain't got nothing to follow here. Let's see what I got going on here. The devil doesn't like me what I'm sharing, so I can't seem to get it to keep going here. But when you think about the light, a lot of people don't realize the light that Christ has for us and what he wants to do in us and through us and for the world around us. And whenever we expect God to do great things in our lives, it's when you and I are being the light of the life that people need. They need it. They want it, but we just don't exuberate it out to people. And it's very important. Oh, look here. They're going to give me a hard copy. What is that? Is that a tree? That comes off a tree right there, doesn't it? Yes, yes, yes. So, with that being said, now look here, look here. See, look here. I put all these notes. You didn't know I used notes, did you? Yeah. <laughs> yes, my iPad, it is gone. It is gone. I'm going to have to get me a new one. If anybody wants to buy me one for pastor appreciation, just go right ahead. All right? So, anyway. So, just remember, I mean, Jesus talked about in Matthew 5 and 16. He said, for us to let our good deeds shine out and see the works of the Lord in us, to glorify our heavenly father that's what he wanted to do so we got to let our light shine when we go out there in the deeds of darkness but also it's wwjd how many of you remember wwjd now yell out to me what it means here we go so that's the question what would jesus do what would jesus do in our lives what did jesus want us to do in our lives you can wear the bracelet you can put on the bumper sticker but it boils down to what we do as christians look what it says in verse 10 it says carefully determine what pleases the lord it didn't say haphazardly determine what the lord wants you to do he says carefully determine what the lord wants you to do take no part in those worthless deeds of evil and darkness instead expose them to those watching people watching you all the time those that are watching your reaction to sinful behavior, your silence can be interpreted as approval. Did you hear what I just said? Right? He says here in verse 12, it is shameful for even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. See, God needs people who are going to take a stand for that which is right. Christians must lovingly speak out for that which is true and is right. But when you do, a lot of times Satan wants to come in and play head games with you. You say, what do you mean? He wants to play head games with you, and he wants to, to get you to be able to not stand up for that which is right. He's going to mess with you. The Word of God tells us in, Re in Revelation chapter 12, it says that he accuses the brethren, and that's basically the body of Christ. He accuses us night and day before God, making accusations. How many of you recognize any of these things that comes at you when you're trying to do what is right? It, the, Satan to come in your mind and say that you're no good. You can't do this. You tried and you failed. What makes you think that you can lead your family spiritually? What makes you, what's your wife going to think? You're ugly. You can't do this. You're a failure. That's what he ends up doing. 
But we got to think from the measure that, that we don't listen to him, we listen. What would Jesus do? And even take it a step further, what would Jesus want to do through you? Through you. That's what you've got to think. What's he want to do through me? So that's living in the light. But I'll tell you another thing we need to think about is living by the Holy Spirit's power. The Holy Spirit's power. There's a lot of people in the church today who knows nothing about the Holy Spirit, but that's why they're, they're just cold Christians. They have this mindset and a head salvation, but they're 18 inches from a place called hell. So what do you do when you think about living in the Holy Spirit's plan? You got, listen, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Look what he says here. He says, so be careful how you live. Once again, he's telling us to be really careful of how we live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. How many of you agree we're living in evil days? Yes, we all agree with that. He says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Here's the plan. You, if you fail a plan, you're planning to fail and how that you can make the opportunity. So we need to sense the urgency and keep our standards high when it comes to how we live as Christians. We've got to act wisely. We've got to do good wherever we go. And we've got to be optimistic Christ followers. There's nothing worse than a person who professes faith in Christ and they go around negative. They go around doggy downer. They go around depressed. And they just bring everybody down around them. How many of you know somebody's a depressed Christian? Raise your hand. You know, you get around them and they just, you just want to go take a Tylenol. You know what I'm saying? They just, you know, just thinking, man, we need to be optimistic. I told someone this week, you know, sometimes I don't feel like smiling on the outside because I feel on the inside. But you know what? I'm going to smile on the outside because of what somebody did for me on the inside. Does that make sense? We all have stress, struggles, strains. We all have problems. We all have heartaches in life. But God wants to do an amazing thing. So what do we do? We've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Look what he says here in verse 18. He says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Say that with me. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. People don't realize the stupidity of what they do when they get drunk. I mean, they go out here and they consume assorted amounts of alcohol. One guy said his friend, they were out. They went to a tattoo parlor. He was drunk, stumbled in there. He went over and said, give me, I want you to put Brad right there. The name Brad right there. When he got done, he said, why'd you put Brad right there? He said, I got a Brad Pitt tattoo now. Dumb as a box of rocks. I'm sorry. Lord, forgive me. In the name of Jesus, bless him. One other guy said he got drunk so bad that when he reached over to his nightstand in the morning time, he felt a piece of toast. And he looked at the toast and said, what's the toast doing there? So he got up and he wandered around and went to the kitchen. He's going to make him some breakfast. He opened up the microwave and there was his iPhone with a piece of cheese melted on top of it. Wow. So what's the point? What is, what is Paul trying to say here? He's basically contrasting getting drunk with wine as something that is a temporary high to being filled with the Holy Ghost of God that gives you lasting joy, that gives you that love, that gives you what you need. Being filled with the Holy Spirit means that you are controlled by the Holy Spirit. It means you are led by the Holy Spirit. It means in Christ, I get long-lasting joy. I get the cure for depression. I get the cure for monotony. I get the cure for the tensions and the strains that hits me in life because the Holy Spirit of God, God's presence is in me. His purpose is for me, and He is going to go with me. No matter what I face in life, that doesn't get any better than that when it comes to living for Jesus. I'm telling you, church, whoa, no, stop, stop. I quit patty caking when I was five. If you're going to give God praise, you give God praise in the house today. You give God praise in the house today. 
we should, shouldn't be concerned of how much of the Holy Spirit that we have. We'll say it one more time. We should not be concerned with how much of the Holy Spirit we have. We better be concerned of how much the Holy Spirit has us. It's just the way it is. Look at verse 19. It says, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God, to the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is saying no matter what we as Christians do or what we say, we should have an attitude of joy. We should have thankful hearts to God, and we should be an encouragement to other people. I don't know about you, but, man, I want to be an encourager. And I want to challenge you to go out and encourage people. People are living so discouraged today and so despondent and so depressed. Just be an encourager for the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and even when you feel down and you find it hard in your life to thank God, listen, don't whine and don't complain. That's what the culture does continually. But think about this. You don't thank God for the problems, but you ask God and say, God, give me strength to be able to build my life through the difficulties that you have given me in my life that I be like you and not like the world. So you live in the light. You're a person that's going to live in the Holy Spirit's power, but also you are going to be living with Holy Spirit-guided relationships. So I want to talk to husbands and wives for a minute because it's the majority of the people here. Listen to me, and I'm going to talk to the people that are single or single again here if you're ever wanting to get married. You know why the divorce rate's so high and a lot of you went through the heartache of that? It's because when people go for a spouse, they don't look to the agape love of God first. They get eros love, which eros love is, is basically the trigger that you do like each other and all that kind of stuff. But what happens is they don't go to first base and then go to second base and they go to third base. They go to home plate and they get the cheesecake right out of the, uh, right out of the relationship. Let's just say it like it is. So next thing you know, you're caught up in eros love, and next thing you know, they don't even like God, let alone love God, and you didn't even talk about it. Now, if you are with a, with a person that's not a believer and you're a believer, read 1 Corinthians 7, stay with them. But if you want to get a person that loves God, it's the first thing out of the gate, okay? The agape love of God. Don't get bound up in eros love. But we're going to talk to the wise first here, and look at Ephesians 5 and 21. It says, then further submit to one another out of the reverence for Christ. Don't misunderstand basically what he's saying here. Submitting to another person, that does not mean becoming a doormat, ladies. That does not mean that you are to be taken for granted. It definitely does not mean that you live in an abusive or dangerous situation. When you look at this, we follow Christ's example for his submission that he had to his father to, and for his life for each of us. So we honor Christ by following his example of submission. But listen, when we submit to God Almighty, we become more willing to obey his commands and to submit to other people in humility and in love now in marriage husbands and wives listen to me we are to submit to each other each for the other both for God let me say it again each for the other in submission but both for God look at it says here verse 22 for wives this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord for a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is a savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Now, wives, 
This means you're willing to follow your husband's leadership in Christ. Husbands, it means you're putting your selfish interests aside to be sure that you're caring for your wife. Listen to me, submission rarely is a problem when you have both the husband and the wife that are, have a strong relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me, let me help you understand this. Check this out. Here's God. Here you are, husband. Here you are, wife. Very simple. When a husband and wife are sold out to Jesus, he's the Lord of their life, they are both heading in the relationship to God. They're both loving God. They're seeking God. So whenever you get closer to God, what's happening? You're getting closer to each other as you get close to God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Say yes. But in either person ever veers off the path, either person veers off the path, you can't do it alone. It takes both relationships and that to be able to love each other and to love God sold out to God. And let me say this, if you are sold out to God in your relationship, both husband and wife, and you're running after God with all your heart, you're loving each other with all your heart, there ain't nothing that hell and all the angels and the devil can come itself and rip you apart. Know that and own that and live that in your life. Wives, now husbands, it says, it's going on in verse 25, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church, loved the church, and he gave his life up for it, to diffuse any kind of antagonistic external mindset that culture may want to inject into your biblical marriage relationship. Remember, the wife gets to submit the husband gets to die. Did you get verse 25? That's what it's talking about there. Now, let's talk to the husbands. It says, what are we doing here? To make her holy and clean. Husbands, washed by the cleansing of God's Word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, listen, husbands, ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two become, are united into one flesh. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loved himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Husbands, listen to me for a moment. For a husband to be, listen to me. Paul devoted twice as many words to telling a husband to love their wives than he was telling wives to submit to their husbands. So how should a man how we as men and husbands, how do we really love our wives that we're willing to sacrifice everything for her, even our very lives? That we make her being as a person our primary focus, that you care for her as you would your own body, that you lead her spiritually, that you provide for her, that you protect her. Listen. No wife should ever fear submitting to a man that treats her 
this way. So, we're living in the light of Christ, living through the Spirit. We're living, being led in the power of the Holy Spirit, and then we're having Holy Spirit-guided relationships. So what does that help for us to be able to do when we walk out the doors today? Making a difference, making a world of difference. So each of us, when we leave today, we have a wonderful opportunity to live in the light. We have a wonderful opportunity to have the Holy Spirit's power in our life and to have the power of the Holy Spirit guide our relationships because people are watching us all the time. And when we do, we'll have a glorious impact on the world around us. We cannot afford to go AWOL living in a time such as this. There's no place that you and I can go anywhere out there. We're going to escape the, the spiritual warfare that's going on. So we learn how to fight as we're led through the power of the Holy Spirit. And our ability is awesome that we get to make a difference in our world and the spiritual realm and that will determine whether we will win or lose out there in the physical realm you know what it boils down to it boils down to it's your choice it's my choice say what do you mean see we make hundreds of choices every single day in our lives and a better life is made always by better choices and so i think about this formula we need to imitate our heavenly father through the characteristics of his son jesus christ then so we imitate, plus we illuminate, and then, you know what that equals? Equals influence. It equals influence. A better influence is made by better choices. And God has placed you strategically where you're at in this world at this time. The best life of all is only one choice away. Better choices, a better life to be able to make a difference in the world. So how do we get personal victory in everything that we do? We've got to be able to confess to God about every sin that happens in our lives. Say, God, I didn't get it right. But God, I do want to get it right. Help me, God. Give me strength. And we've got to recognize that God will forgive us. He'll cast that sin as far as the east is to the west. And then after you do that, you've just got to admit you're going to be tempted by Satan. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world when you're being led of the Holy Spirit of God. So you've got to claim the holy power of God through his spirit. Freedom is not the right to do what you want, but it's the power to do what you ought. So I want that power. How many of you want that power in your life? Would you stand with me as we pray? Father in heaven right now, God, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. You are a good, good, good God. We praise your holy, holy name for what you're doing. God, we thank you, Father, for this opportunity to be an example in this life, for being an example in this broken world for you, God. May all of these Christian characteristics of Jesus Christ be our identity, Heavenly Father. How many of you that are Christians today, how many of you here would, would lift your hand and say, you know what, God has convicted me of some things that I need to repent of and work on. Would you just lift your hand real high right now? God has convicted me. God bless you. God bless you. Would you just pray to him right where you're at and say, God, I need your strength. I need your power. I need your forgiveness. I need your forgiveness, God. God, work on me, God. Help me to not be like my environment. Help me to not be, not, not be like my coworker. Help me to not be like that friend. Or God, help me to be able to resist the temptation of the evil one. 
pray to him right now and just say, Dear God, help me to be like you, not like my sinful self. I don't want to miss the mark. I want to be like you, Jesus. Tell him, say, Give me your forgiveness and your strength to be more like you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving each of us. Thank you for coming and dying for each of us to be forgiven. Help us to be a light, Lord. Help us to live through your power, God. Help us, God, to be an example for your glory and your honor. God, I pray you help every person here not to listen to Satan or others, that we know who we are in you, and we embrace that true identity in you and be like you. Lead people in the world to you. Some of you need to be born into the family of God today. I believe with the, the amount of people that's in this auditorium today that somebody here, God, is knocking on your heart and you've never truly opened up and been born again. That's why you're here today, friend, as we continue praying. God wants to do something amazing in your life of what Jesus did amazingly on the cross and that's die for your sins. So you could be forgiven and have His Spirit's leadership in your life. You might feel like you're the minority, but whenever you have Jesus and his spirits in your life, you're the majority in the world around us when you go out there. So if you're here today and you know that you need to receive Jesus as the Lord of your life for the first time, whether you thought you were a Christian or not, you know by the conviction of his spirit that you need to confess to him and make him the Lord of your life. Would you just lift your hand real high right now and say, yes, that's me today. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Would you pray to him where you're at and get serious with God to be the man or the woman, to be the husband or the wife, or to be the, the mom or the dad or the, or the son or the daughter, wherever you're at right now. Just understand Jesus' sinless life was given for you on the cross as a perfect sacrifice for the forgiveness of your sins. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. It's by grace through, but through faith that you are saved. So call on him and just tell him, Lord, I invite you into my life. I need you, Lord, my Savior. I believe in you. You died for me. You rose for me. Thank you for shedding your life's blood for my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to save my soul, Jesus. My life is yours. You prayed that from the depths of your being. And the precious presence of the Lord has entered you. And you know the peace of God has swept through your life. Thank Jesus for that right now. That's the presence of the gift of salvation. Those of you that prayed that and you meant that from the depths of your soul. And you prayed that prayer. I'm going to be at the next steps area across from the... Freedom Coffee House, come and see me and just say, hey, Pastor, I prayed that prayer today. I want to commemorate this day as a special day, October 16th, year 2022 of our Lord. I have a gift for you as well. Father, thank you, God, for what you're doing. Help us, God, to have true Christian identity in a world that needs you. Help us live, Father, in your light and be a light and go light up the world, living through the leadership of the Holy Spirit's power and in being guided by your spirit in all of our relationships. Thank you for what you're doing, but what you're going to do through us. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody shouts.
Amen. How about we lift the roof off this place and give God praise and glory? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory be to his holy name today. We're going to go into a time of giving, and I just want to say thank you for being here today. A lot of things you could be doing, but there's no greater pleasure and no greater honor and humility that we get to be in God's house. We get to go to this house. There's places I know of, and I've been, and I've served in missions and things that, that it's just not like this. They wish they could have a place like we have. Aren't those seats comfortable? Aren't they really comfortable? I mean, I know they are because I've watched some of you sleep. And I just, you know what I try to do? Lord, they're not sleeping. They're praying. But then they go, oh, they know they're not praying. So thank you for being here today. As we give back to God, I'm going to say thank you for giving. Because it's something that we get to do. And it says to be, Paul told the church of Corinth to be a cheerful giver. If it's a doggy downer for you, you haven't got it yet. You don't understand giving back to the Lord because the Lord gives us our heartbeat. He gives us our breath. He gives us our jobs, our careers, the resources that we have. He gives that to us. And as he blesses us, he wants us to in turn be a blessing. That's what we get to do. So thank you for those of you that do that. Step into that realm of blessing that God will bless your life because you give back to him that we can reach this world to know Jesus. That's what we're all about, reaching people to know God. So I'm going to pray over that in just a moment. But if you gave your life to Christ, be sure to take the card out of the back of the seat. And if you're in a hurry and you can't come and see me, let us know that you gave your life to Christ for the first time. We're going to follow up with you and help you in your walk with Jesus. You just started the race. We want to help you with that. And baptism and all that will be your next step. Um, also, if you're here and you are first time at Freedom Church, thank you for coming. It means a lot to us. If you would take a card out of the back of the seat and fill it out as much information as you feel comfortable with, take it out to the info desk. We're going to give you a gift to commemorate this day of you being here, and we want to thank you for coming. And give us a three-peat. Give us at least three Sundays to check it out, because everybody needs a church family, and that'll give you a good identity of who we are as a church family and all of that. And um, also, understand that we love you. We love everybody. Be sure to go out and tell people about Jesus and tell people about a church family. Everybody needs one. If you're in a hurry and you can't drop off and get the, you don't want to go get the gift, that's fine. Just drop your uh, cards in the bucket as you leave. Thank you for coming today. I'm going to pray over this. i got one thing to tell you. Father, thank you for this opportunity to pray over this offering as you have blessed us. God, may we be a blessing and obedient back to you. Use it for your glory and your honor. It's not the amount, it's the heart. So find our hearts, God, in tune to you to give back as you have blessed us and be able to make a difference in the world and reaching people to know you, God, locally, globally, and everywhere in between. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Now, last but not least, hey, we are having our Fall Festival Saturday, October 29th from 5 to 8 p.m. I want to ask you to invite all your friends, especially those that do not have a church family. Invite them to come and be a part. It's going to be the festival and trunk or treat from 6 to 8. If you would like to do a trunk, we want to challenge you to do that. Go out there and sign up for a trunk out there in, in the lobby. Sign up for a trunk. Also, bring plenty of candy. Uh, we want you to bring plenty of candy. We brought candy today. We want to be able to bless our kids because they enjoyed that wonderful time and having candy and getting stoked up on sugar so we can send them home to you so you can try to get them to sleep so they can come to church the next day. Anyway, so we're so thankful to be able to be a blessing and spend that time together with our church family and those of you that you will invite. So sign up for a trunk, bring in the candy, and I love you and God bless you, and I hope you have a good rest of the day. I love you. God bless you.